Hello and welcome to the podcast. Guys, today we have an absolutely killer talk with Wake Forest's Director of Athletic Performance for Basketball, Ryan Horn. Uh, Ryan and I have been, we've known each other for what seems to be my entire career. We, we both started out here in, uh, in Richmond, Virginia, right about the same time. He started down the street at VCU while I've been uh, here at the University of Richmond. And today, we're going to talk about monitoring and building a program. And, you know, it's um, it's been a, a long journey for Ryan when it's come to where he is now versus where he started when he was at VCU. I mean, it, one, because it's it's been a long portion of his career, and, and two, the advancements in technology and, and the more uh, the greater ease or the greater availability of them now. But he gives a really awesome step-by-step as to how he got started into it and where he started, um, the simple things that he did early on, uh, and the things that he progressed with and, and, you know, how he progressed going from Virginia Commonwealth to Tulsa and now to Wake Forest. Uh, and that's really neat to me to, to see how he built three different models. So we, uh, let's call them that. And at three different locations, that, that's super cool. And then, you know, we get into some of the growing pains, um, because it's not like all of a sudden you get this new toy and, and things work out perfectly. There, there's a learning curve. There's understanding what you're looking at. And, uh, you know, how he decided to filter and how he started to get through all of that, uh, you know, the commotion that the data can provide. Uh, it's, it's really, really neat. It's, it's a lot of stuff that, that really I wish I knew, you know, when I started doing all this stuff. And then... I think what's really cool is how he's he shares really what it does for his program and you know how each of these steps have, has altered his training and, and sort of changed his focus in a little bit um, with what he's doing with the student athletes. It's really it's a great talk, guys. Right, Ryan shares a lot of good stories from his past and, and where he's come from and how he's built these things. So I, I hope you enjoy it. Let's get right to the talk. Ryan, great having you on, man. Let's uh, let's get right to it here, brother. We, uh, we with both of us, people tend to hear the names Jay DeMeo and Ryan Horn, and, and I guess right now the the first thing they think about is monitoring. So let's let's start there, and uh, let let let's talk about how that developed down there at Wake Forest, and and move forward. Yeah, I think uh, you know we actually started doing some some base level and entry level tracking stuff when I was in Richmond with you and, and, uh, you know, working at VCU and we started doing some, some heart rate monitoring with our men's and women's soccer program there, uh, started off extremely small scale and by small scale, I mean, I went to Dick's and bought a couple of polar heart rate monitors and, and started using that. And, uh, that was right about the time I first started reading a lot from, James Smith and uh, Mark McLaughlin and Landon Evans and started corresponding with those guys and that kind of piqued my interest a little bit as far as, you know, more of the, at the time, did not have a ton of experience, you know, with, you know, kind of assembling a program to kind of develop, uh, you know, some of those energy systems and, and especially soccer, never played soccer in my life, didn't really understand it. Uh, Coach was extremely knowledgeable coming from a top tier program. So, wanted to institute it, you know, where we were at. So, it took some time, 
to kind of figure out how we wanted to implement it and how we wanted to use it to help kind of formulate our practice and, and formulating our training protocols and things of that nature. So that's kind of where we started. And then in conjunction with that, you know, we started doing wellness questionnaires and, you know, RPEs and started off with the basics and, and body weight and hydration and uh, really kind of attacked those things and, and continued to hammer those for pretty much four years at VCU. Um, and then we went to the University of Tulsa, um, did not have access to heart rate monitors again. Um, so we actually kind of developed a proposal to try to get our hands on some uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, actually, Coach Manning had just accepted the position at Tulsa. Uh, one of our players was actually playing pickup, um, had a genetic defect in his heart and actually collapsed on the court during pickup, um, went into cardiac arrest. Uh, they had to resuscitate him on the court. And then, uh, you know, basically they were able to revive him and save him. And, you know, they found that out. And, uh, you know, that was Coach Manning's first day on the job. And his question was, how can we prevent this from never happening again? Um, what can we do from a wellness standpoint? What can we do from a tracking and monitoring standpoint? How can I help you protect our student athletes, number one, and then in turn, you know, increase their performance as kind of like a byproduct? So, I think that disaster kind of sparked some intervention and change, uh, both in our culture and how we approached our training, how we approached practice, uh, and the investment we were making into our student athletes. So from that day forward, you know, we purchased a polar team system, uh, didn't have access to really any tracking of anything like that. Or, you know, we used iAthlete, uh, with our guys at a small scale and did some basic heart rate variability with our guys. But overall, our main, main push was with, uh, tracking internal load. Um, we did that for all three years at Tulsa. Uh, and then when we got to Wake Forest, you know, coach wanted to kind of assemble himself and continue to push the envelope and be a trendsetter. Uh, and that's when we really started to invest uh, in the sports science side of things and try to find as many avenues as possible um, to kind of develop that program, that approach, and really base our culture off of that. Uh, that was something that coach wanted to do as soon as we got the job. Um, I believe that that's the reason why I think it's working. Uh, at a pretty progressive rate right now with our program and with our team. They've really bought into it, and compliance has been, has been great. But I think that comes from the fact that it's a part of the head coach's vision, uh, and he's extremely receptive uh, and extremely supportive you know, of the way we do things. So I think that's been huge for us. And then once we got here, we kind of opened up the floodgates uh, as far as what we're doing with tracking and Omega Wave and sport view and, and some other things that we're looking to do here in the near future. So, I mean, that's kind of coach is really, really big on being a trendsetter, but number one, uh, playing so long in the NBA, having three ACLs, having Achilles tendon rupture, uh, things of those nature. I mean, he's been through it all, um, had an extremely long career in the NBA. Um, but he's felt it. He's done it. Uh, he understands it. Uh, he knows what the players are feeling. He knows how they're thinking. Um, so I think that's been a huge help for us to kind of invest in that. Uh, and he's been extremely receptive of it. Um, is it perfect? No. Um, but I think we're making some great progress. So that's kind of our background of how we really started off with the most basic things. It wasn't like we just jumped right into it and was like, hey, let's go buy everything possible and try to purchase our expertise or purchase my ability as a coach. So I think it's been something that's been 
a, a process over the course of you know eight to nine years, you know, leading up to where we're at now. You had a kid go out at a practice? Uh, it was actually his pickup. Actually, coach was actually accepting, doing his presser and accepting the position. Uh, he was up there accepting the job. Our guys were actually originally supposed to play pickup at 7 o'clock that night. Uh, it was a Friday. They actually bumped it up to 5. Um, luckily, the athletic trainers and, and everybody was still there. Um, basically, he was playing pickup. He had his first run of the day. Was fine. Guy said he came over um, to the trash can, sat on top of the trash can, was getting a drink, and then just collapsed. Um, so then the players ran into the weight room, which was right next door to the practice court. Ran in, you know, the, the kid went down. They're screaming, they're yelling. They run inside the training room. They break out the AED, you know, start doing the whole process with that and the standard operating procedure to bring them back. And they was, I mean, he was, yeah, he was. That was Holy it. And shit. Then, yeah, so it was a it was a pretty you know sobering experience to see that uh, understand how fragile that is, and I think for sometimes we take for granted you know what the cost of doing business is and what the risk is and what we do not only from a availability and a durability standpoint, but also from a bigger picture of really looking at like you know we have a lot of responsibility uh, and it's a very serious endeavor. And it can all change, you know, like that. I mean, doing a basic, you know, running up and down, you know, 75, 80% playing the standard pickup game that our guys do every single day. Uh, and to have that happen, uh, I think that's something that coach still says that to this day. Like, we were actually discussing it at breakfast this morning. And it came up again. He's like, that changed me forever. It changed my life forever. I uh, bet. You know, one practice, one day, you know, one activity, one station, one drill isn't worth that. So I think that's kind of gave him a different, you know, scope of, uh, what we're doing, how we're training guys, uh, our standard procedure for assessment and testing evaluation. When guys come in, uh, you know, they're getting echocardiograms and cardiac screening and, uh, full medical history. I mean, the coach is really trying to, uh, get ahead. Nobody can train or practice or do anything until they go through the full battery test, uh, to make sure they're physically fit, uh, and ready for, you know, kind of report for duty, uh, so to speak. So it's, uh, it was a scary experience and, it, and it's definitely had a long lasting impact on our staff and on myself. And, uh, we share that story with all the new guys that come in, all of our staff, interns, assistants, whoever it may be. Uh, we remind them of what you're dealing with. Um, and that, you know, and it's something that for us, you know, we weren't controlling at the time. Uh, but I mean, you're looking at training guys and running them and, and, and preparing your guys to understand, uh, you know, have a very, very thorough understanding of what you're doing, the methods you're implementing, uh, and what type of physiological uh, stress and load it's going to have on the athlete because, you know, one wrong decision can affect you for the rest of your life. So, Yeah, and the worst part with this is this really wasn't, quote, one of your guys yet. Mm. This was like... About to be one of your guys. Exactly. Yeah. Holy mackerel. Yeah. Hey, welcome to Oklahoma. Yeah. 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 I mean, literally, coach, they went and grabbed him uh, from the, you know, from the from the media. Went and grabbed him. He suit doesn't know anybody, nothing else, and you know, he comes in and has to deal with that. Doesn't know the kids. Doesn't know the team. Uh, he's in the hospital all night with him. The kids get a pacemaker put in. And, uh, it, you know, it was very, 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 uh, 
you know, it's definitely not the most, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, romantic way to kind yeah. of uh, start a position and start, you know, taking over a program. So. Yeah. Hi, Mom. Nice to meet you. I'm the head coach. Thanks for coming to the hospital. Wow. Yeah, exactly. So. Holy shnikes, dude. That's crazy. That's yeah. the craziest story I've ever heard. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, and, yeah, knock on wood, you know, we're trying to stay away from that. But. Yeah, no doubt. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. All right. So, ooh. that's different. Whoa. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, we got, we, we started with it, and I got, I got pulled into to, to monitoring because one of our better players that we've had here in the last 10 years, um, and probably one of the best kids we've had, mm-hmm. came in when, when it was Joel's first time in Richmond, and uh, he put him down with the old leads, like the suction cups yeah. mm-hmm. and the, the clamps, like the whole shebang with the box, like the yeah. old one person at a time Omega Wave. Yeah, exactly. And he started spitting out at Darian like all sorts of facts. And uh, and this kid was like, mind blown. Exactly. Um, but what sold me was we found a kid who had a mild cardiac condition. Uh-huh. So that's why I really got involved with it. Because, again, you know, I mean, if it'll identify something minor, imagine what would have happened if you could have been there the day before with this kid. Oh, really? Exactly. You're not the first person that has a story like that. I mean, I've heard numerous stories from some very close colleagues of of ours, some Mm -hmm. guys we associate with, where they've been able to be very proactive with things like that and find little little areas where, you know, it's a a small ripple, so to speak, but... uh, can have tremendous consequences. So yeah, it's definitely something that we're not talking about, you know, increasing readiness here. We're talking about protecting someone's livelihood and, and someone's well-being. Uh, so I think that's a, maybe a little bit heavier than the normal uh, yeah. uh, podcast discussion. And I'm sorry for starting it off like that, but I think it kind of sets the tone of where where our head coach is at and what he's looking at. And uh, But yeah, it's something I think you can't take lightly. That's something I think a lot of people don't really look at uh, when you're looking at some of these, some of these technologies and some of these tools, you mm-hmm. know how you can use them in a much broader uh, scope and a much broader spectrum. Well, I'm, I'm sure that that story is even better than a cup of coffee. There's there's people that if they're listening to this on their drive to work, all of a sudden they're they're <laughs> awake now, brother. They are. Uh, yeah. They are awake. So let, you got into it. We you know we started small, running over probably out short pump over here. Yeah, we were at, uh, over at Bryant Park, actually. So, oh, yeah? yeah? That's so where you got, the, you got the heart monitors out that way? Yeah. Uh, getting into the Q&As, things like that. So let's talk, because obviously you don't just go from that to sport view. No, exactly. So exactly. Let, let's talk a bit about the growing pains and, uh, and developing your program with that. Yeah, I think the growing pains was kind of understanding when we jumped into it, um, I think the amount of information, um, you know, some of the outputs that we were looking at and just the, just the overpouring of, uh, you know, numbers and things we were looking at, to be honest with you, it, it surpassed my skill level at the time to be honest. I mean, I know, I think everybody comes up here and it's like, Oh, I have it all figured out. and It was easy and it was great. And, uh, you know, we just plugged it in, we played it, and we were rolling. We were good making adjustments and reports and everything else. No, it's, it didn't work like that. 
I never had really any exposure to it. I tried to prepare for it as much as I could before we made the purchase. I mean, went in that direction. But, I mean, you know, we were putting the units in upside down, and I'm on Skype with guys in Australia and trying to figure this stuff out. And, and it wasn't a ton of information for basketball because it, it's something that when you look at the indoor sport, you're basing more on heart rate and accelerometer data indoors. You're not getting – you know, all the metrics and, and all the qualities you're going to get in the outdoor environment for a team sport. So when we jumped into it, it's like, who do you call? You know, who can you go see? Well, there's not a lot of people doing it. Uh, you know, who can be a resource for you? So I think at first I was really just kind of overwhelmed uh, with the amount of information that we were getting and trying to kind of navigate through it um, while still being a coach. Um, because another fact of the matter is we're using this to supplement uh, and drive what we're doing. Um, but not only do I have to be able to look at the sports science piece and the data and the monitoring, but I also have to lay out the foam rollers and the bands and schedule massage and train the guys and go to practice and, and do all of these things. So you're trying to balance not only the athlete's stress and their stressors, but I'm also balancing the stress within our staff, the information within our staff, how to make sense of it. So honestly, when we first jumped into it, we started off with a mega wave and we started off with our tracking and our wearables. Uh, we jumped into it. We just put it on and we just let it go. Uh, we hooked it up. We were consistent. We tracked everything. I think it's another thing. We track as much as we can uh, just to give us more opportunities to learn, uh, to see different numbers and see different environments and get different types of data sets. And then we just try to move forward and, and just see what it looked like. So the first year, I always tell people uh, we don't have it figured out and we're still learning and we're still kind of navigating through. Uh, I've noticed with a new team, new bodies, new athletes, everything's changed. So our thresholds and our numbers and the type of practices, our work rates during practice, like body load per minute, uh, things of that nature have changed. Uh, the structural impact of our practices have changed because they're more competitive than last year. Because We have more talent. We have more bodies. We have more depth. Uh, the guys are playing. So there's a lot of things like, okay, here we go again. Uh, but we're comfortable with it. Um, we're comfortable with the reporting uh, and to be able to kind of present coach with meaningful reports as far as what he wants to see. Uh, and what's going to resonate with him the most uh, to change the structure of practice and how we load the guys throughout the week. But a lot of the growing pains were just logistically, how do we handle the information, uh, dealing with our assistant coaches and our head coach and our medical staff, how do we present the information to each one of those particular departments, but not only to separate the departments, but to bring everybody together and then integrate it. And then how do you take that data and then how do you dilute it uh, with each individual coach, each individual entity, and really present it to them so they're getting the most out of their program or their role or their responsibility within our, within our team and then bring everybody kind of on the same page. So we've been able to use it with, you know, we're return to play and, and, and looking at certain things with our athletic training staff and our PT and, and looking at that piece. We've been able to use it with coach and structure practice and what he's trying to do. And, you know, it's one of those things, too, where coaches trust level with it now is much higher than it was a year ago, and that's how it should be. I think he believes in it a little bit more, but then again, without myself and, and our staff and the people that help out with us, without us able to provide context, because all he sees is numbers and colors. Uh, so without us to be able to provide some type of um, information in regards to how each individual piece is affecting the athlete from a relative standpoint and as an individual, um, those have been things that have been continuous just over time daily, you know, coach and I meet constantly. My office is right next to his and we're constantly discussing and talking, uh, but at the same time, you know, it's one of those things where we invested a lot 
in the monitoring and tracking, uh, but the same token, we can't lose sight of the intervention strategies as well um, and having the resources we need to feed the kids to recover, you know, with massage and soft tissue work and supplementation and food and, you know, getting a training table up and going and supplementation and things of that nature. So it's like you have the information, but then you have to have the skill set and the expertise needed to really not only see the trends and to see the things that need to be trained or be you know, adjusted, but also too, you know, how the hell do you fix it? And, and how to, and what are you going to look at and what are you going to do? Uh, cause the athletes still have to train, they still have to develop and we talk about it all the time. Uh, we're just trying to balance those things out. So I think from that skill point, you know, or at that standpoint, excuse me, um, you know, it's just trying to catch up. Um, the, the tracking does it job, its job. It gives us the numbers, it gives us the information. Uh, but our expertise as coaches to be able to trust the information, look at it, but also provide context and look through it with the appropriate lens has been huge. But overall, I think I'm the type that's all or nothing, so I jumped right into it with some of the bigger pieces, and we've learned along the way and did some trial and error, but I don't think it's really hampered our development or our progress. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not, it hasn't been all sunshine and rainbow, so it's been, it's been quite the process. Yeah, and I think that those are a few really dead-on points. You know, looking at, I think a lot of people do think that it's like, okay, well, I just spent X amount of money on on a yeah. piece of equipment. Um, so now, automatically, you know, it, it's it's always going to be spring. You know, the the flowers are always going to bloom. Yeah, and everything's exactly. going to be perfect. And it's well, uh, it, it typically leads to asking more questions and answering early on. I agree. Um, and, and the people that I talk to when they ask me about these technologies is, and they say, you know, what should I expect? Like, well, you'll probably expect in the first, like, four months, you're going to think you have it all figured out. And then within about three weeks, you're going to think you're the dumbest person on the planet because you're going to think everything that you just thought you figured out is completely wrong. So just pump your brakes with everything and know that you still got to train. They still got to practice. You still got to play games. And at the end of the day, no matter how much money you spend, whether it's just an old FT1 heart rate monitor or you're spending thousands of dollars a year on Omega Waves and Catapults and whatever else, Jim wears all the top stuff, it's not a deity. Yeah. You still need to paint the picture, Picasso, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we've had our share of growing pains where we, we thought we had, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times we sat there and we did something and it was like an N of one. And the one time we did it, it just happened to do what we thought it was going to do. And then they came back the next time and it was like, well, what the hell? <laughs> it, was exactly, like, exactly. It, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, but it is fun and it makes it, uh, it makes it an exciting interesting experience when you can sit there and pull different numbers and and put things together that most people necessarily wouldn't think you would want to look at together but you know people like us that's what we're going to look at you know performance outputs versus you know different readiness readings or hrv readings or omega tree readings or heart rate or you know workload readings and and what are we doing you know are we jumping higher, moving faster? Are we actually getting better at what matters? Uh, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much money you spend. If you're not doing that, who cares? Yeah, and I think it's, uh, you know, in this piece of, you know, 
high performance or however you want to call it or how you want to brand your program. I actually read an article this morning on Freelab about, you know, what does high performance really mean and Carl and those guys putting out fantastic content on that website. And I think it's something that I read that first thing this morning and it kind of resonates with the fact that, you know, with increasing athletes' resiliency and developing them and teaching them how to perform, you know, and we go way back and you know my background, I know yours and, and I think it's, you know, I'm a coach first. Uh, and I enjoy developing kids. And if anything, you know, a lot of this information hasn't really complicated things for me. Uh, it's kind of helped me have more of a minimalist type approach as far as, you know, eliminating some of the things that was fluff, eliminating some of the things from a, a structural loading standpoint that really was just wasting the athlete's time was more catering to my ADD as a coach and, and the novelty piece and things of that nature. So we were looking at our program of kind of stripping things down. I think it's it's made it much more efficient as far as what we were doing. And we've had results that kind of been able to, you know, from, from a physical standpoint, to kind of support some of those things that we've done. And that's helped kind of generate some more buying and compliance. But, you know, for me, I mean, it, it helps us as a staff be more informed. I look at it as more as how much can I push the athletes. Uh, and I say this, I might get burn for this but you know i see a lot of times athletes aren't overtrained they're kind of underprepared and now whether or not they're doing too much for where they're at it's one of those things where we have to not necessarily prepare them from the game and you know how this is with every game we play it's you got to prepare them for practice and you got to prepare them for your coach and you got to prepare them for the system the system of which they're in and what they need to be able to perform so when me and you discuss data sets if we're tracking and you have your squad or you know i'm talking to mike curtis down at uva and we all know how uva plays or I talked to Coach Roos down in Texas, and we know how they play. You're going to get a lot of different data sets, a lot of different information, uh, a lot of different training methodologies. But I think those training systems fit, you know, to help those athletes be able to prepare for the demands that they're going to be placed under. So I think those are things for us um, that you can't lose sight of. And I think that one thing I can appreciate, one thing I respect about you is I know where your weight room started. I know what it looks like now. Uh, I know what teams you had when you first got there. You know where, where I started and we were kind of close and we go in. So to kind of start at that standpoint and go into the first seminar you ever put on and, and seeing that, and yeah, we all remember that in the classroom and, and doing that and the, and the Skype and just putting that all together and DJ Bognar and coming over and training and doing everything. And that was back in the time where all I wanted to do was train myself and everything else was an afterthought. So we've all came a long way with that. But I think it's, you know, I think right now we're, we're still losing sight of you've got to train and you've got to prepare these kids and you've got to develop them. Uh, and you have to attack and violently attack those simple measures and those simple training means and, and methodologies and do them daily and consistently and look for those marginal gains over time. When we look at this long-term athletic development model that you look at and I look at and what we're trying to do, you know, you're not getting one and dones every year. I'm not getting one and dones every year. So we're having some time, hopefully, to kind of take these kids in. And, and you know, and everybody always says, man, how do you train basketball players? Well, you know, a lot of times with the basketball players, and we talk about this all the time, it's just they just haven't been exposed to this type of training and this type of structure and environment. Uh, and they are what you tolerate and what you emphasize. And I extremely enjoy training these kids, but when they come in, it's always funny when you use the tracking and use the monitoring, you're looking at these tools of, you know, really how overworked these kids are when they come in because their physical development and their 
base level, that, that, that pyramid is so upside down as far as their high skill. They play over 100 games a year in AAU. They already come to college with college mileage in high school. Uh, and then they get to college and they're playing, you know, up team games. We're spending 95% of our year practicing, playing, and competing. You look at football, you're spending roughly 60% of your year prepping. So we're in, there is no off-season. There is no in-season. We just have times where we do more and times where we do less. So I think from that standpoint, it's an interesting beast and it's something that you and I juggle. And I think every conversation we get on the phone or we Skype or whatever we do, it's the first 15 minutes of the conversation. Uh, and it gets it all out there. But I think we're continuing to move forward uh, and move forward in the right direction. But I think this summer... Uh, for us from a prep standpoint has really opened my eyes to a lot of things and we discussed that in our last conversation last week uh, when we touched base and it's uh, it's fun man it's keeping us motivated and it's, and it's interesting to look you know at some things we did this summer uh, from a training standpoint and realize you know some mistakes we made in the past and some things we did that uh, weren't necessarily wrong uh, but might have been misguided or misdirected just based on you know what we're reading and what we're doing and trying to do the new best thing and change everything and reinvent the wheel. Uh, but I think that right now we can't lose focus of you know what we're actually trying to do and what our actual job is as far as increasing availability and developing these kids. Um, but yeah. Yeah, totally, man. And I think that it's really... You know, the, the whole idea of, of them, there's just, there is no off season. You know, I mean, that, that whole cliche thing of, like, basketball never stops. Uh, it doesn't. Nike's, Nike's right. No, yeah, they ain't fooling. I mean, they, they ain't fooling around with that. I mean, it, yeah. it doesn't. It's going. I mean, you know, and, and we, we talked extensively, like, about the summer. I mean, and it's almost turned into the point where, where I just look at it like, that's their skill time, man, where we're just – I'm back and way down, and, and we're – teaching them everything again and because like you said these cats do so much and they come in with with such an inverted pyramid that it's they do get a lot from the general and understanding and learning so it's almost like marginal gains come very easily because you're just teaching them how to do it exactly and then Restructuring their body isn't the right term, but I think you you know what I mean with like how they move oh, and exactly, teaching them yeah, just exactly, like yeah. general like elasticity. Some yeah. of these kids like they play so elastic, but you ask them to bounce and they look like a cinder block. Well, yeah, they can jump forty five inches up in the air and they can't skip. Right. <laughs> or they yeah. can't bounce on one foot and they're all gas, no brakes, and they don't know how to run without a ball in their hand. Uh, you look at these athletes and these systems, whether you're, you know, a certain team that gets up and down, or you're pressing, or you're more linear down, or you look at teams that are utilizing more ball screen actions and defensively, they're more in the lateral plane of work as far as slide and side. So you look at all these different skill sets of, you know, and one thing we look at in our program is what is our athlete profile? You know, what are these guys going to be able to do from a biomotor and a bioenergetic standpoint that will allow them to basically thrive? in our system. And I think we've had to, in the ACC, we've had to look at that a little bit more as we developed from our last job to this job where we were a guard-dominant team. We pushed the ball. Uh, you know, we had a smaller team of more athletic, longer guys that can move and run all day. And we get here, 
Uh, now we have a seven foot one, two hundred seventy pound five man. You got you, know, you got these guys of different sizes, you know, different movement. You know, the the mechanical load during practice. So we've had to kind of you know adjust as our team continues to grow, not only in size but also in different skill sets and, and things of that nature. So I think it's something for us um, that you really look at, and like you said before, that you're teaching them like base level things from a physical standpoint, a movement standpoint that should have been learned uh, a long time ago. Uh, it's a little bit different than like a football or another sport where these guys honestly spend all their time doing general prep and they need more tactical and technical uh, training and skill development at lower intensities to work on that because it's something they don't work on. Hence the reason, you know, coaches are getting more time in the summer. But then you flip-flop it, you know, our guys come in, huge skill-based talent, jump out of the gym, you know, highly reactive, elastic, but the same token, uh, starting strength. You know, you got guys that jump 45 inches on a max approach jump, but they're standing versus 25 inches. And that's a problem. You know, when you look at these base qualities of, you know, how can we fill these gaps within our athlete profile through a nice testing battery and then figure out what direction these guys need to go in, especially from the standpoint we talked about the other day, guys setting PRs and guys training. I think it's funny when guys come watch our, our team lift and train. We train and we lift. You know, we use barbells and, and we actually, I know it's crazy, you know, but we use barbells and our guys run, they jump, they sprint, they throw. Um, they're doing all these things to try to basically fill in those gaps. Some guys need it more than others and, and work on different things. But I think when we take a step back and look at it, uh, it's easy to get sexy. It's easy to get too cute. And, and, and too complex with guys that really have no experience and you can maximize the simple stuff because they've never been exposed to it. Mm -hmm. um, so you can use those means that are uh, from a cost to benefit ratio that are extremely high and you get a huge return on your investment with guys. That's why I enjoy training them. I enjoy training a, a point guard that's 5'11 and then looking down the rack, two racks down, I've got a seven foot one guy. I like that. Uh, I think it's fun to program for, it's fun to train. Uh, and also, too, these guys, these guys make games. They make improvements. They get better. Uh, and they're learning, and you're seeing that skill acquisition. You're seeing, you know, like you already said, you're restructuring their movement and, and general movement efficiency. And you're, you're seeing how these guys are changing and just being glued and stuck, stuck in these positions that they're used to playing. And then you try to open them up, and they can skip, and they can run, and, and they're moving side to side. And then you see them get stronger and more explosive. I think that's very rewarding. Uh, but it's something that you can't. Oh, they're basketball players, so this is how we're going to train. They already have a ball in their hand majority of the day, every day. Let's put another one in their hand, attach a vertimax to them, run them, jump around, run around, do the same thing over and over again. Uh, so I think it's something that we have to look at, not only for us, but I think that a model applies to a lot of sports. Oh, yeah, and the general always has to lead to the specific anyway. So it's, I mean, that's nothing new. You know, exactly. If we don't, if you don't build... If you don't get better at the general initially, your specifics never really going to keep going. Yeah, I mean, or at least it's not going to move at the same uh, amplitude that it should be. That's old Louis Simmons saying, "You can't shoot a can out of a canoe." Yeah, it's like one of those things where you look at it. And I think it's you know we as we discuss it, and I look at our summer program. I think guys are always talking about being fresh and being recovered. Well, you know, if we're not stressed and we're not causing you know, with our stimulus that we're placing on the guys, we're not, you know, putting them in a fatigue state in the summertime and causing those adaptations. Whatever quality you're working on, um, you can't be afraid to train these guys and you can't be afraid to develop them at the right times 
and use some of those modalities that they're allowed to from a structural standpoint and they can handle it um, to really put them in a place where in season, yeah, we'll manage fatigue. Yes, we'll increase readiness. Yeah, we'll take care of them. But there has to be times during the year where we understand that Cal Geats is a guy that you know we, we got to get together in, in Chicago and we were there for the Catapult uh, Summit and we were there talking. And, you know, I, you know, I love talking to Cal because, you know, Cal will say, yeah, you got to crack a few eggs and make an omelet. And, uh, and I think when you look at him, there's times a year where you're using the data, you're using the tracking, the monitoring, not to make you soft or not to make you more conservative, but knowing how far you can push. Uh, and are, you know, is what you're doing actually causing the change and adaptation that you want to see. Um, you know, I think that's something that you have to look at, something that you have to use it for. Uh, but to be pigeonholed and say it's old school, new school, and you're getting away from what the field really is. No, you're just adding to your toolbox. Um, it's like anything else. I, I don't know anything about cars. I can't fix my car. If I go out right now, something happens to it. You know, I'm screwed. It might take me four hours, three days, or whatever. But if I take it to the dealership and they hook it up to the diagnostic, and he has the skill set, and you can help filter through that and make that process more efficient, uh, that's the way you got to go. And I think that's something for us where we're just trying to navigate these waters a little bit more effectively, more efficiently, and at the same time, not waste our coaches' time or our athletes' time. But it's allowed us to push. It's allowed us to know when we can do it and when we can't do it. Um, but I love it because I can see. You know what's happening, and we can go from that standpoint. It motivates me. It keeps me honest as a coach. Uh, you know, we're tracking and testing, looking at that. Uh, I don't want to hide. I don't want my athletes to hide. Uh, if there are things we need to work on, like year one, we didn't get much faster. Uh, you know, our standing versus some testing that we were doing didn't improve. Uh, our guys weren't strong enough. They weren't developed. Uh, There's a change in training philosophy and training regimes. Uh, and, you know, and I think for us, the first summer, yeah, from a culture stand standpoint, uh, we made some gains and we taught our guys how to train and how to approach, you know, the daily blue-collar, you know, mindset, and, you know, we wanted in the weight room and on the court. But from a physical standpoint, we lost a little bit because we weren't able to really focus on those things. And this second summer, we came out of it much more uh, much more positive uh, and actually changed some of the things that our data showed us and some of our tracking points with speed and, you know, vertical jump and some of our testing that we were doing from a general standpoint. And, uh, that's what we were going to weigh on for some of our performance metrics because, you know, that's what we can control. Um, that's what we can test a little bit more frequently and know if we're making gains in what we're doing. But, yeah, no doubt about it. And it's, it is, it, it comes back to the idea and, you know, Eric has said it before too, where the whole idea with this is not to, at the end of the day, do less. It's to make sure that you can do more but you're doing more at the right time. Exactly. You know, and, and you can, the one thing that we've found is we've been able to, by, by kind of, I don't know, is, is, is Chris's term going to stick? Are we going to call it uh, fluid periodization? Is that, is that going to be what we, we term whatever. it as? Whatever you want to call it, whatever, whatever makes you happy. <laughs> well, like, you're, you're, the you're fluid big, whatever makes sense to you. I just, I don't, I don't, I try not to bog my mind down with, fancy terms anymore. <laughs> but how we, however we fluctuate the week. You when know, I was young, I liked to do that. Now I'm a little bit older, I think, a little bit more mature. I just focus on the task at hand. I don't really care what it's called anymore. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when, we, when we look at it, yeah, exactly. it's like whether Monday's a high day or not, Yeah. high may be a relative term, and it may exactly. not be as high for me as it is for you. Exactly. But at the, in the long run, that may be what ends up being best. And that high day may be super high for you that day. Yeah. You know, and it, I think we've seen 
you know, these older cats that have been in the, in the system for a while are able to handle higher loads and get through things quicker, and all of a sudden it's like, all right, we got in what we need, and now it's kind of like their time. Like, what do you need? Like, what, you know, if, I'm, right. if I've got you in the gym and you're one of my guys, like, Horn, what, what do you think? Like, all right, so we got through what I think we need. What, what does Ryan Horn think he needs to add to his game? What can we do here now for you? And, it, and giving them that ownership and allowing them to select some things. Now, they're not running their whole program. Exactly. But giving them some, some ownership once they've given you what you want from them on those days where they've got, you know, they can cook with some grease. They can push a bit. You know, it's, it's, it's a good thing for them. Yeah, I think it's a good thing for you as a coach. I think a lot of the stuff you're doing, you know, from Omega Wave and Gym Aware and things like that, you're able to give instant feedback and start a dialogue and a discussion with that athlete. And, and we can't talk about it enough, but, you know, re, you know, relationships have to come before results. And I think when you have that buy-in and you have that relationship with the student-athlete and you're really showing them, like, here's where you're at. Last summer at this time you ran – in your 20-meter sprint, you ran 19.2 miles an hour. This year, you topped out at 22 miles an hour. Did you get faster? Yes. Okay. How do we did that? How do we do that? Where do we go from here? You know, we're looking at some different physical qualities. But when you make that lasting relationship and you have that type of impact on an athlete, then when he's not with you or she or she's not with you, the other two 22 hours of the day, they're going to be much more mindful of some of the decisions they're making from a you know sleep hygiene standpoint, from a nutrition standpoint, from hydration. We weigh in before and after every session, not because I really look at every single day. I want these weights to be a certain thing, but when guys look at their weights, it makes them toxin of their hydration status. It makes them, you know other fluid intake and, and, and fueling and you know and getting them the right amount of calories to be able to recover from training, recover from practice. And a lot of times, for our guys, what gets seen gets changed, uh, and when they see those numbers or they see themselves stacked with the rest of the group of where they're at. Uh, it, it's a motivator for them, but it's also something tangible uh, with this generation of kids that are tactile learners. They want it now. They're results-driven, not process-driven. You're looking at all these different things, and it's able to have a much more productive conversation with these kids and then in turn increase that compliance and buy-in. But that's where your expertise and your ability to pretty much disseminate the information within your group. And I think Eric had a comment about he wants little coaches. He's trying to educate these guys, and they want coaches around him so they understand. Baylor does a fantastic job of it as well, of educating the student athletes on why we do what we do. You know, what is the impact each of your decisions and your choices? I mean, I think they call it be the standard. It's kind of like, you know, what are you going to be able to do? What kind of decisions are you making? How does that affect your attitude? And how does that affect your results? So there's some things that I think from the outside standpoint, the gurus on Twitter and the gurus of Instagram and Facebook that look into a collegiate sector and look at how these guys are training these kids, you know and I know, whether it's class schedule, academics, uh, you know, competitive schedule, travel, uh, you're at a you're at a very, you know, academic prestigious institution. I am as well. Uh, we don't have fifteen anatomy classes, we have two. So our guys have these schedules where they have blocks from seven to nine. Why do you wake your guys up and train them in the first thing in the morning? That's all we can do. If they don't do it, they're not going to train. They have to practice in the afternoon. I'd love to make it as you know physiologically sound as possible and get the extra rest, but there's a difference between things being perfect and training these athletes within a vacuum in a professional setting, and it's not perfect either. But then when you look at the collegiate sector where you're having to look what's optimal at that time and then be more dynamic and fluid 
what you already said with your fluid periodization model, but be more fluid with what you're doing, how you approach it, how you move forward. But I mean, it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely every day I wake up and it's you know, what we're going to get today and what are we looking at and what's you know, what's hanging over. So I think it's something that definitely has to be considered. Oh, no doubt about it. All right. Class travel, all that stuff. I mean, even though you, I'm, I'm sure you guys travel well. You know, we travel pretty well. Like, you know, it's it, it all comes down to you got to do what you got to do. And sometimes you just got to do what the game demands. Exactly. So the game demands you got to run a group at six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Well, so it goes, man. And I mean, I'm sure you had a mega wave where you're like, look at a mega wave, and you and you go ahead and test your guys, and it's not a situation where okay. I got to give them a day off situation is we play in seven hours. You know, what do I got to do to spike this kid up and then clean up the mess later and allow him to do what he needs to do to be successful and help his team and help himself and then figure the rest out, you know, when it's done. And when it's, so it's, it's not always that sense of, you know, how, what can we do less or what can we get days off or it's more of a situation. How can we optimize, you know, performance when it counts on those days and then use the other days around those kind of structure that 72 hours before, I think Dave Tenney looking at, you know, 48, 72 hours before and after a match, you know, looking at that optimal window of performance, how can we structure and orchestrate that environment to be as conducive as possible? Oh, yeah. And it's, uh, it, it's a trying experience because of all of the things involved in college athletics that we don't have our ability to have our hands in. But we also need to remember, too, is it at times I think people interpret it a little bit too much as your, yellow, your red, amber, green is precisely how you're going to show up today. Yeah. And it, it may be more of a this is just what you're able to adapt to, but you could still crush it today. Yeah, we have plenty of Ferraris with a quarter tank of gas. It's just, you know, how far can they go? They still have the output. They still can perform. And I've been proven wrong a couple times with what we show our guys and what we communicate them to them as far as what they look like on certain days. But, uh, you know, the human body's capable of doing amazing things, uh, even when we as professionals think that it's not in the optimal state as far as the readiness is concerned. But, oh, and you know, exactly. it's definitely a, a, juggling, a juggling act. No doubt about it, and it's it's also juggling what, you know, like you said, you, 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 if you have a model and you know what you, you want your kids to be like, well, if, if you're better at X and Y, but you need improvement in A and B, exactly. then X and Y day may be the day you save the tank, and A, B is the day you empty it. Exactly. You know, or if there's specific things that show up in your game that Coach Manning is like, he needs these need to be what make him who he is, that's where the money's spent, you know? And it's just it's just a matter of understanding when those days are and how those days are and, and where you can fit them and, and where you need to back off otherwise. And it's so that you can just, like, hammer it. It's like, yo, Craig needs to get better at X and today's an X day. So Craig's going. Exactly. And if Craig can't go tomorrow, who cares? It's not what's important to Craig. Um, but, yeah, I mean, all of that stuff is is really where people, I think, I love it, the gurus, 
the, the, the gurus, they're, they're out there. They don't train any athletes or have their athletes anywhere. You and I, you know, our wins and losses and injury reports and everything else is all out there for the world to see. But it's uh, the question always relies when someone makes a comment as who do you train. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I don't want to get started on that. No. But when they, when they don't <laughs> see the, the whole encompassing picture. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, you know, like there's times of the year where, I mean, like Dr. Mann said, where that primary resources needs to go to academics. Because I agree 100%. if it doesn't, they could really get hurt. Like, yeah. so it's, it's crazy, man. And I, and I think that a lot of that has opened up a lot of my vision to things. And it's, I mean, we, we see huge performance drops, like when they get into finals and midterms. Yeah, I agree. You know, and it's, all of that stuff is really, it's changed my world. And I, you know, I owe a lot of that to, to Val and, and, and to Trisha and, and everybody at Omega Wave to, to helping me see that. Yeah, and, I, and they've been able to, I think that's something for us, like looking at that and, uh, you know, being able to incorporate a lot of those things, you know, you know, with, and you and I have spoke about some of the things we're doing with, you know, Coach Me Plus, for instance, and, and looking at an athlete management system where we're able to, you know, really coordinate and look, and we've done a red, yellow, and green light scale, and, you know, and it's been stolen and adopted from other people, so I'm not going to say I created it because I didn't. Uh, you know, their ideas, and we're trying to make it fit us, but, you know, really looking at athletic training status, academic training status. Uh, you know, we meet with our academic advisor daily. Uh, she's sending text updates. She's giving red, yellow, and green light. I mean, we know where these guys are at, uh, you know, from an academic standpoint to understand, you know, for us, you know, if a guy has tutoring to eight, he's supposed to train at seven, he's going to tutor. And you got to figure out what you're going to do uh, to make up the other piece, but the academics and, and, and be able to tolerate and juggle that stress. Or we have an international kid that's halfway across the world. He's learning how to speak English and he's going to class and he's dealing with that. The first year, he struggled with a lot of different things, uh, performance-wise earlier, body weight, uh, energy, readiness. I mean, the guy was pretty much redlined every day. Every day we test him. A uh, year in the system, becomes more comfortable, learns to speak English, learns to like the food, uh, embraces himself in the culture. Now the guy's put on 20 pounds. He's moving better. He feels better. He's playing. He's smiling. Uh, he's more comfortable. But to understand that holistic approach and to understand those environmental factors, and, and what that had on him outside the practice court and outside the weight room uh, was something we had to understand. You know, the guy's not sleeping well because his roommate liked to play Xbox all night and was snoring. He couldn't sleep. So this year he's in a single single room to help him with that, and he's been performing much better. Uh, you know, so there's little things like that where you're getting to know these kids and you have a relationship with them. Uh, but there's just so much, and the more I learn and the more we look at it's just like, we're still missing out and we still have areas where we can continue uh, to get better and see that big picture. But the same thing is we can do a lot of things and we can say we do a lot of things and we have access to, you know, like you already said, and I, I'm not bragging at all. I mean, we have great support, um, but we have access to sport view and to tracking and to gym aware and mega wave. And now we're looking at some force plate stuff and we have all this different information and all it's really doing for me is to give our staff and our program, one, you know, you know and I know when this hasn't come up at all is recruiting is, is, is big as well. And we haven't discussed this and we don't need to go deep into it. We don't need to, uh, but understand that as well when people see that from the outside. And I've had this discussion with Carl a couple of times. Of, well, do you really need that? Well, 
you know, we're trying, you know, who else has that? You know, if I have a guy that comes to me and then he goes down to Duke and then he goes over to these different places in Kansas and different ACC schools and Big 12, and you know how it is. And it's just one of those things where we have to be able to really look at, okay, just like Eric said and spoke at your, at your clinic this summer, we recruit and we develop. And it makes developing a lot easier if we have the necessary tools and resources to work with. And you know and I know recruiting, and then they give them to us, and we have to be able to develop them, manage them, improve their availability, keep their availability where it needs to be. But the same token, I think Albert Neal said, first thing, make sure they can play the sport. And, and I think that for us, when you get the recruiting, it's amazing when we get the type of athletes that we need. They respond to stress better. They adapt faster. Uh, they learn faster. Skill acquisition is better. Uh, neuromuscular are better. Uh, and so all these different things are continuing to improve. So I think it's something that for us, our environment puts us in a very unique uh, situation uh, when it comes to physical preparation or increasing somebody's athletic performance. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree anymore. And if we get into the whole recruiting talk, we, we might no, be we here. Have, we don't have to go there, but it is a part of the game. So oh, no doubt about it. If, if anybody doesn't uh, work in the collegiate sector, believe me, you have a, a master's in performance, but you better have a, a, a bachelor's in, in, in some type of sales or business because you've got to be able to uh, you got to be able to highlight yourself, highlight your program at the same token. I think it's uh, and I think Carl's always speaking about this. Carl Val's always speaking about transparency and, and what do you actually do. You know, and I think that's something for us in our program. We have open doors. We allow coaches in. We're extremely transparent. I'm extremely transparent. Uh, I'll share anything with anybody because you don't do what we do. You don't have the, the kids we have or the program we have or the staff we have. Um, but I think that's something in our profession. It's easy to hide uh, behind certain things when in reality we would all much be much better served if there was a sharing of information in a way that was honest uh, that helps develop everybody from the top down. And you know your mentors, and I know my mentors, and who we've worked for and who we've been with. I think it's very important that we all pay it forward and understand that, you know, I think it's funny we don't see, you know, uh, Nick Saban, you know, on Twitter bashing, you know, what Harbaugh's doing at Michigan. They don't have time for that. They're focused on improving their team and getting better. You don't see surgeons and doctors bashing each other. But then when I go on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and I probably shouldn't be on there as much as I am, I should probably get away from it. But, you know, as a profession, that's another discussion in general. Uh, these podcasts, the things that you're doing, uh, I think your clinic that you run, this past clinic that you put on in, in July, I think it was, I think all the days just kind of string together right now. But I apologize. But uh, that was probably the best seminar you know, I've ever been to. Uh, and not for the fact of the content as far as what people were saying. It was that there was such a great collection of like-minded individuals, but also individuals that had enough confidence and enough honesty and trust in their abilities to challenge each other, to ask the right questions. Well, let me see what you do. You know, what are the numbers? What are the results? What are you actually doing? Uh, not a 15-second video or a clip, but to challenge each other as coaches and to sit at a table with Carl and you and Landon and Eric and just sit back and just listen uh, and be challenged. And I think that's something from a from an education standpoint. We now have to periodize, and Landon said this before, is you also have to periodize your educational development and be willing to stress and be willing to push yourself. And every time I go there, I come away on the car ride home of 
and we got to do more. We got to continue to push the envelope. Uh, we have to continue to network and do those things. So I think it's something for you. You know, before we end this whole thing, I just want to thank you for continuing to put out information and seeing the change that you want to see. And I remember me and you used to eat dinner with DJ, and we'd be out there talking shop, and you were doing some different stuff that you're doing now. And you know, I was making field hockey players box swap with chains and bands because Louis Simmons said it was cool, and you know, I was doing all that stuff. And, and it, it's funny how far we came, but we were having those discussions, and it's it's funny how those things continue to come full circle because I think at that point. You know, we're so eager, we're so hungry, and we're trying to push the profession. But I think it's something for you to continue to put out these podcasts, to put on the seminar. Those are ways we can increase our role, increase our worth, and continue to push our profession in the direction that's honest, a direction that allows us to serve our student-athletes a little bit more effectively and at a higher level and a much broader scale within the department and with athletics where you're not just the guy that always wears shorts, uh, that has a beard, uh, and that can train guys in the weight room, in your case, to shave head. Um, but you're able to do those things. So I think it's something we have to continue to do that. And I think people should thank you a little bit more for seeing something like, you know what, I don't like the way it is. You know, I'm going to be the change I want to see in the profession. And we're not perfect. You're not perfect. You can call. You said it before. You know, they think monitoring or technology, just because I can buy something, doesn't make me that person. I just have the, the, the I'm blessed and grateful to have the opportunity to, to have access to some of these things. And we've had to work for it. Uh, this is not something that's in our budget. We've had to go out and get these things and get it done. Uh, but it's something, too, we have access to it. But a lot of the things that we're talking about are things that people at any level, at any program, with any budget can really look at. And I think it's something you started off with the basics. I started off with the basics. And then we basically hammered those things and moved on from there. And to be honest with you, some of the most basic things we do have been my most consistent and reliable metrics. Not the sport view data or, you know, I haven't really messed around with the force plate that much yet. Uh, it's going to come in a couple of weeks, but Cal Dietz kind of motivated me to do that with some of the things he's doing with hockey players at Minnesota. And every time I come away from speaking with Cal, I, I have a headache uh, and I'm confused. And I'm like, what did he say? God, dang. And then I watched Carl's thing you posted, and then, you know, Cal talks a thousand, you know, <laughs> miles a minute. He's spitting out words, and you're like, what does that word even mean? He's talking about this and that, and I'm like, oh, I'm stupid. And then you got Carl coming on, and in the last podcast you posted, and he's talking about all these different technologies and these different things you can use. So it's just, you know, learning what your role is and then how to implement that in your program as, as flawlessly as possible. But there will be a time where you have to embrace the suck because it's not always going to be perfect. And uh, it, it's still not. And we're still working towards it. Uh, and we've had a couple cases where uh, all the numbers look great and then something, something happens. So it's not always perfect. Um, but if we can continue to strive for that, I think we'll be in a much better spot. No doubt about it, man. you always got to remember there's a human factor to everything we do. And I, uh, <laughs> I greatly appreciate the kind words, brother, but I appreciate the talk even more. This is killer, man. I can't wait to get this up. People are going to love it, and uh, we're going to have to get back here and do another one of these soon. Yeah, I know Carl's going to get max. I didn't put out specific numbers and, uh, uh, and exact programs and things that we're doing, but if anybody wants to email or, or email me or contact me, I, I'd be happy to share some more specifics. I promise you uh, I'm not trying to hide or or run away from anything, but uh, I've enjoyed our talk. Um, I always enjoyed our discussions, and this for me is not anything that's uncomfortable because it's something that you and I 
are able to do on a pretty frequent and consistent basis. And I think it's important for people just to hear uh, these discussions. And I, I open the door up anybody that listens to this that wants to come by Wake Forest and visit our facility and, and see some of the things that we're doing, uh, seeing if our numbers or data, some things that we're working on right now. We have some big plans for the future. Uh, we told you before, you know, with the eccentrics and K-boxes and some force plates and some other things we're doing with SportView, um, we're going to continue to push that and also get on some of the more research side of things and do some stuff there as well to continue to put some information out there. And we got to do a better job of, of sharing that information and continue to pay it forward just like you and uh, I appreciate you putting pressure on coaches uh, to do that uh, and put a, put forth the same amount of effort that you are. So thanks again for everything. I hope uh, hope someone gets at least one nugget from this. I don't know what it's going to be, but, uh, you know, so we'll see how it goes. No, there's plenty, brother. I appreciate the time. Thanks a bunch, Ryan. No problem. All right, man. Have a good one. Yes, sir. And a huge thank you to today's guest, Wake Forest Director of Athletic Performance for Basketball, Ryan Horn. Some absolutely awesome information in there, guys. You know, it's it's really neat to, to hear the story from how he went from just the basics and the small things and, and really the stuff that you would do pen and paper almost to where he is now with, with, with the monitoring and athletic performance program that he's built uh, down there in Winston-Salem. Really, really cool to hear how it's altered, how he looks at training, and, and how he's grown as a coach with some of these things and how it's helped him become better. And not just with the training side of it, but how he relates with his student-athletes more. This is really a, an awesome talk. I hope you guys took as much away from it as I did. I, I learned a ton every time I talked to Ryan, so I hope you enjoyed it. And as always... You guys have any comments or thoughts? Please leave them below. Questions? Um, leave them below. R Ryan is not a guy that's going to hide anything. So if there's any questions, fire away. He he'll be the first person to answer them. And if he doesn't have the answer, he'll be the first guy to go try and find it. Um, and of course, you know, if you enjoyed the talk, which I hope you did as much as I do, please go ahead and share it on the social media outlet of your choice. And Stay tuned, guys, because next week we'll have another guest here on the podcast. We will see you then.